Hello, church family. Uh, this is uh, chapter 7, verse 54 to 60. Uh, this is really the death of Stephen, and in a lot of ways he is the first Christian martyr in New Testament time. Uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 54 to 60. Um, when we think about this portion of scripture, again, just walking through the text, um, the last episode we talked about this lengthy portion of uh, Stephen's defense for Jesus. Um, and in a lot of ways he was, he's, he's walking through biblical theology. I don't know how exactly he was able to talk so much, uh, but he recited basically everything that he needed, or at least the, the, the Jewish leaders needed to know that tied him, uh, that tied Jesus to the Old Testament and tied the Jews to those unfaithful Jewish people that, that rejected and turned away from the Lord. It would seem that uh, they probably allowed him to talk so much because um, they agreed with him. You know, the, for, for the most part, uh, almost two-thirds of, the, of chapter 7, uh, that little speech that he did, or, or his defense, he was just explaining the scripture. Uh, and it really crescendoed at the very end when he told them that they are the ones that are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Um, they are the ones that choose to uh, um, kill uh, the leaders and people that are um, uh, leaders of the church or, or messengers of God. And they're no different from the ones in the past that decided to kill the prophets and other faithful uh, servants of Yahweh. And by making this parallel, and this connection first between all the Old Testament passages to Jesus and this parallel of those that are killing uh, the Christians at that, at that time and the Jews that were killing the prophets then and betraying and turning over all the other faithful followers of Yahweh. Uh, this, this makes uh, Stephen basically put himself on the line here. He, we know that he dies, um, but this is just an amazing uh, testimony of just faithfulness of, of what it takes to survive um, persecution. And I think as we look through this, I do want to draw some uh, lessons for us in terms of how we can be persecuted in a way that glorifies the Lord. How we can be persecuted in such a way that even though it may be very difficult, it may not be easy, um, but it is something that is normal in the life of the Christian experience. Uh, it's actually abnormal for Christians to live in a society without being um, uh, without being uh, liked. It is normal for Christians to be hated. Uh, so this, you know, in America where we feel relative peace, that's actually a very unique and rare thing. Oftentimes that breeds apathy, but it's in those moments of, of strong persecution uh, that that's where the, our faith is really tested and it's evident in how we respond to it. So let's look at the life of Stephen and see how he, uh, he was able to honor the Lord even though he was uh, being going to be killed for his faith. Verse 54, now when they heard this, this means everything that happened in chapter 7 or, or, or the 53 verses beforehand, they were cut to the quick and began gnashing their teeth. This phrase, cut to the quick, it shows a few times in the scriptures, but this is a particular interesting word because it basically means to be cut in half. Um, it's, it's like this idea of where uh, they, were, they were offended and they need to go 
and, uh, and find a way to deal with the problem. Uh, they were like cut in half, like God's word was so piercing, uh, using you know, Stephen to pierce them that they were basically broken. And they said they were gnashing of teeth, that they were, uh, they were frustrated and they like felt rage when they heard this about him. And, uh, but, but then there's a contrast here, verse 55, but being full of the spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. These are, this is obviously some sort of supernatural vision that God has uh, graciously shown uh, Stephen because no one else sees this. No one else in the room sees that the heavens opening up and then the glory of God was there and then he, see, and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. These are one of those things that I feel, feel is God's mercy and grace to give um, uh, Stephen's strength to be able to go and uh, faithfully endure to the end. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't that much time left for him, but uh, what he was what he's going to go through, um, he needed encouragement. I think this is where the Lord just get, granted him that, um, that he fixed his eyes on heaven as he's about to be killed. And I think that's a good principle for us to understand if we are facing trials for our faith. Is that first and foremost we need to look to heaven, that we need to set our eyes on the things above as opposed to things below. And that's very hard to do at times, especially when we are um, you know, being persecuted, we're focusing on the pain that we feel now, um, but there is a sense in which uh, the pain that we feel in this life, as great as it may be, it is not going to last forever. And I think Stephen was given that vision so that he can endure. It's a unique foretaste of what he will uh, see in, an, in a not so distant future. Verse 56, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. So there's something about this vision uh, that made him want, um, just, uh, he can contain what he was seeing. And, and it's possible that he himself thought that, um, that, even though he sees it, that he thought that everyone else can see the same thing that he does. Uh, he's just out there, he, he sees, he no longer wants to keep this to himself. He just bursts out and just said that he sees um, the Lord. Um, and the result is that the Pharisees and the, the, the Jewish leaders, uh, they, they wanted to kill him for it. Verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. Again, there's this anger that they have towards Stephen because uh, they consider this as blasphemy. Uh, and by saying that he is, um, you know, that he sees the Lord, um, when the Jewish people th think that uh, no one can see the Lord, right? Like this is something that, uh, you know, and I think I think they they basically are trying to twist this word because they have no reason to to kill this person, but they did it anyways. Uh, verse fifty eight, when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the and the witnesses laid aside the robes and the feet of a young man named Saul. So what's fascinating here is that. What they did is from actually Deuteronomy in chapter 13 about, you know, people that are, uh, that commit some grave sin, they can't be killed inside the temple or inside the city, but they're supposed to go and be taken out and then get killed there. Now, this is actually just murder <laughs> in the society. Like they, they just ganged up on this guy and then just killed him, which is actually murder. But then in the Roman culture at the time, um, 
you know, all the leaders didn't care. I mean, the, 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 the pilot uh, that was overseeing the trial of Jesus was, was, was able to be swayed by the Jews. Uh, he told him, do you want me to kill your savior? Oh, we have no king but Caesar. And if you don't kill him, then you're no friend of Caesar. And it shows that they are able to uh, manipulate and control the government, that this government was this incompetent leader who doesn't even know right and wrong, but he just does what most politicians does. They just go with whatever the flow is so that they can continue to stay in office. That's why they're able to do this and get away with this. This is actually why the pers the early church was able to uh, was was persecuted so much, is because people didn't see killing Christians as something that was a bad thing, and we have to understand in our day and age there will come a time where people can openly make fun of our Lord, make fun of the church, make fun of our brothers and sisters, without any punity. They can say whatever they want, and it's considered um, you know the right thing to do. But any sort of defense or or, or defense for Christianity is, is somehow like hate speech and divisiveness. And we as Christians understand that this is just a natural reaction for non-Christians. Those that who hate us is because they hate the Lord. And they cried out, it says in verse 7, that they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears. And just the reality of all those who hate God is that they, they don't want to hear the truth. They intentionally want to uh, blind themselves and, and sear their own conscience um, so that uh, they can stop hearing truth. So don't be surprised that even though we live in a time where there's so much information that people don't want to hear the things of God. Um, this, the, as, the, as the society grows more secular and dark, our message is going to be ignored more and more. But as Christians, we're still called to go and, t and, and preach God's word, even till the very end. And we see this in verse 59. They went on stoning Stephen as he called out on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. There's an interesting reference here that I think I think is fascinating that Luke uses because in, uh, in in his gospel in the gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus uh, he says that he uh, that he gives up his spirit to the Father, and when Stephen's making this prayer, he's giving up to Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, his spirit. He's making this reference that basically shows everyone or tells everyone he's listening to that that Jesus is divinity that Jesus is divine, that Jesus and the Father are one, that Jesus is the one that's in charge of where his soul will go. So he makes a statement, he asks at the very end, uh, he pleads with the Lord in verse 60, then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And what a what an encouraging way. And this, I mean, this, these are his last words. His last words was, that it was again, similar to Jesus in that, have it hold. He's, he's pleading with the Lord to not have those held against those that are killing him. Now, I don't know how many, I mean, of all the martyr books I've read on the martyrs, uh, a lot of them do uh, talk about, you know, praying the Lord, giving the Lord, asking the Lord for, to give them strength. Um, but I don't know how many of them will actually pray this. Um, I would like to believe all of us will be praying for our enemies and that we'll pray that the Lord uh, will save those that would kill us. And my hope is that that's where we will stay, that we will be one day, that in our um, obedience now that we're really preparing our own hearts so that when we are persecuted, that we can go and tell uh, those that are killing us um, that, Lord, please forgive them. Uh, please forgive them for what they do. They don't know what they're doing. And this is, again, Stephen's show Stephen's evangelistic zeal, even at the very end, he was hoping that these people would get saved. 
He was hoping that those that would kill him would be forgiven, or that they'll see the errors of their ways and the sin of their own actions and thoughts that are ultimately against the Lord. And he prays and hopes that the Lord will, in his goodness, will open their hearts to show them uh, their own sin. And this ends with this very fascinating statement. Having said this, uh, he fell asleep. I mean, sorry, not at the, at the end of verse 58. He makes his, makes his reference to a young man named Saul. And this is uh, really foreshadowing what the rest of the book is going to be on. It's going to be focused on the, uh, the ministry of Paul. Paul here is described as a young man, and um, we don't know exactly how old it is. Young in that Jewish context could be anything less than 30, but given the fact that he was uh, someone in the religious, that he probably would have been maybe early 30s or so. Um, he's relatively speaking young, uh, but he was you know, advanced in, in, in the Judaism, and he was considered a Jewish of Jews, but yet God was willing to save him. And I think even in God's sovereign plan, um, Saul, or, or the Apostle Paul, was here, I think, uh, in a lot of ways to make him remember that when he gets saved, eventually when he gets saved, he, he will remember this, this instance. He will remember, he'll remember that, hey, the guy, one of the guys I've killed pleaded for my salvation, and God actually answered um, uh, Stephen's prayer. And I do think that that's in a lot of ways where um, if you look at the writings of Paul, he speaks a lot about being chosen by God, being elected, being um, being uh, predestined uh, by the Lord. And I think it's because he starts to see, like, yeah, he was there um, as a young person wanting to kill all the Christians, but yet the Lord saved him. The Lord opened his eyes. The Lord uniquely appointed him to to be his apostle to the Gentiles. And I think he remembered this instant. He remembered Stephen. Now, and I hope that when, for the Christians, especially all over the world, that are being persecuted and and even potentially even here one day in our own life, that when we get persecuted, that the Lord will use our death to bring new life into those that are hurting us. Um, and we pray for even some of our believing brothers and sisters all over the world that are being persecuted. Um, we know that the gospel is not contained in a person or a building, but the gospel can move out wherever it wants. And we hope that those that are killing Christians, that will eventually their conscience will be softened to the gospel. And they'll remember the fact that they were at one point enemies of God, but yet God is still willing to save them and forgive them for all the atrocity that they've done against the bride of Christ. So he dies, and um, the story really transitions, and it's almost like the baton pass from the original 12 to now, um, we'll see uh, on the next episode, the life of the Apostle Paul, or rather Saul, as he uh, ravages the church. Uh, he does this thinking that he is doing, worshiping the right God and doing it. We'll look uh, at the life of Saul next episode. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.